Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections of the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom DeAngelis, Cameron Norris, and Rob Longo. Uh, Welcome, one and all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. But before we break open the bread of life, Tom, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we're able to see clearly what we're to see, hear what we're to hear, and then have those hearts that are ready to put it into action? I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Spirit upon us through the grace of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who died not only for us, but died as an example for us, that we can live as he lived our lives and sacrifice ourselves in that way. Send your Spirit upon us so that we can discern the things that you want us to discern in this gospel and share them with people Uh, in the audience, and also send your spirit upon them as they listen to this, that they may receive those things that that are in your heart for them. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Rob Alongo, would you mind doing a little gospel love for us? (laughs) You got it, my brother. So the gospel is from Matthew uh, chapter 11, verses 2 to 11. Matthew 11, 2 to 11. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. This is the one about whom it is written. Do we realize the story of our salvation, the story of our heavenly home? It's all there for us to read. It's called the good book, the Bible. When's the last time you took it, snuggled up with it? Because that word of God, which became flesh in Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ. It's the word of God that's meant to go through bone and marrow and pierce our hearts. When's the last time you sat down by a fireplace, 
get in a comfortable chair, snuggled up with the word of God, and then read about our family story, about the history of salvation, about your salvation, and how God wants to use you to be an instrument in the salvation of souls. We're called to be co-missioned with Jesus Christ. That means joined with, co-joined with the mission of Christ. What's that mission? Salvation of souls. That's a great adventure because guess what? Jesus's heart is that everyone, all 7 billion human beings are with him in heaven. And he's chosen to use us as his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, his mouth to proclaim this good news to who? To the blind, to the deaf, to the lame, to the lepers, to the spiritually dead, to the poor who don't have Christ. That's what we're called to do. And as we do that, share our stories. They're called testimonies. Share our stories with others so that they'll come to believe and have hope in the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. I was looking at that last, you know, so Jesus goes, you know, goes through the litany of what you just said, David, about the blind and the lame and the lepers and the deaf. And then at the end, he says, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. And I was thinking of the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those, in some translations, it's happy, right. happy are those. So I wonder if the same could be said here, you know, that we, we'll, we'll, we will be happy, heavenly happy, not the happiness from getting something, you know, the temporary happiness, but like a heavenly happy if we don't take offense at Jesus, because he's going to challenge us. Oh. Why? Because he loves us. And if we can trade our opinion for obedience in the areas of faith and morals in our life, we'll be happy. If we take no offense and say, Lord, I don't really understand. I'm not sure. But if you say so, just like when he told him to cast, cast the nets, right? Yep. Because you say so, I will. Right? Imagine how much more peaceful and simpler life would be if we didn't have to try to figure everything out. If Jesus says it, if his church is teaching this as, an, as, a, as, a, as a, a tenant of our faith and morals, and how we live our life and live our faith, I'm in. I might not understand it, Lord. I might need your help to walk this out. I'm in. Right? Yeah, so that might be a sacrifice, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Tom. And, and what you've described, Rob, is what set me free, the life of surrender. I don't own anything. I'm merely the steward, the caretaker of everything God's entrusted me with. And guess what? Daily, if I live a life surrendered, not my will be done, but your will be done, and let go. Don't, don't lust after things. Don't think, I've got to close the deal. I've got to make it happen. Stop. We're called to be proactive in the journey, but not make it about us. It's about what Christ wants. It's what, what the Father wants. He knows what's best for us. I've found again and again and again, when I let go and let God, living a life of surrender, it's amazing what he pours out upon me. Because here's what he wants from me, to always realize that he's the one that is the giver of the gift. It wasn't based on my own shrewdness, my own this, my own that, my own efforts. No, 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 no. Because that's the, the root of pride starting to grow in my heart, which he never wants. So acknowledging him every day, having a heart of thanksgiving. Just thank you, Father, for everything, the breath I just took. The word you gave me to share. Thank you, Father. I've often thought too, David, you know, you're you're talking about it's not through 
my actions. But I do think that in there, um, in our owning at some level, that we are responsible for initiating or or pulling some, some things together. We're also acknowledging, as you mentioned, you know, that those gifts that we have that allow us to be able to do those things are also from God. So there is a there is a sense that, you know, I can do this, I can do some things that other people can't do. I'm able to, you know, to um, offer these things to people that other people can't offer. But where did that come from? I mean, it's it's like the regression that keeps going back. Like, yeah, it's it's all it's all from God, and we recognize that. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people who sometimes look at it and say, ah, you know, I I can't really. It's 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 all in God's hands, and then they sit back and wait for God to do something. But you obviously don't don't do that. You you go out and do it, and recognize that that God works in the gifts that He gives you that make you effective, that make you able to do. Uh, the things that you do. And I think that's an important part that a lot of people miss in their own lives, you know, that we we do have power, we do have gifts, we do have opportunity to get things done. Um, But then don't claim those things. Consider that not only the the, the results that come out, but also the part that you played is, is also a gift from God. I mean, everything comes from God. Everything, our very existence is from God. So we can't, you know, we can't look at it and say, well, that's not important. You know, what I do isn't important. It is. It's very important. But we're partners with God, and that's what we're called to. We're called to share in his life, to do it his way, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I love the end of this where it says, I say to you, among those born of women, there has, never, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. So that's Moses, King David, Isaiah, I mean, of all of the amazing people, Abraham, it's saying the most impactful person up until that point, or not most impactful, it says the greatest was John the Baptist. And what did John the Baptist say? Repent, the kingdom's at hand. I mean, you think of all the people in the Old Testament to invite to this radio show to give some insight. I think it would be fun to have maybe Abraham here with us or King David but the greatest was John, and John's message was so clear. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. Whoa. That's that's what he paved the way for Jesus. And so the second part of the sentence, so the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We now have our spirits alive, and now God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit— the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit, and now our spirit's alive, right? So going back to Genesis, when Adam ate the fruit, it said, in the day you eat the fruit, you will die. Since, since that period of time, we have John the Baptist wanted what we have. Mm-hmm. We have a temple for the Holy Spirit. Last week, I, I remember us quoting, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. As great John the Baptist was, he didn't have what our listeners have, what the people sitting around this table have. We we have the Holy Spirit intertwined with us, and now we are alive in the Spirit. It's amazing. That's beautiful. I'm going to add one thing to John in in that scripture verse that we read. Um, John said, I am not worthy. The humility of John is an example for each and every one of us. Precious. 
So humility, the Lord gave me the ditty that the pathway to heaven is paved with the stepping stones of humility. When's the last time that you've said, I'm not worthy? When's the last time you said, I'm not worthy? Humility is what counters and defeats pride. So ladies and gentlemen, remember, I did nothing. You did nothing. The Lord Jesus Christ chose to use you as an instrument, and he did it in you, with you, and through you. When you get that, that's a heavenly reality. Because through the grace of God, when you enter heaven, Jesus Christ will be fully alive, yes, Rob, Mm. in Rob Longo. And he will animate you fully alive as Rob Longo. Still, you don't lose who you are. But it'll be Christ who's fully alive in you. It'll be the mind of Christ. Mm. It'll be the heart of Christ living in Rob Longo in your uniqueness in heaven for all eternity. Which was the original intent. Last week, if you didn't listen to our conversation last week, go back and listen to it. We talked about for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We talked about that as being like an arrow going towards a mark, going towards a bullseye. So we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. So think of an arrow falling short of the target. That doesn't change the target. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God, that's the target. We've all fallen short of it, but we we can't change the target to fit our circumstances. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is such a great conversation. I'm just so <laughs> thank you, Lord, for uh for allowing me to be a born-again Catholic, right? You know, people say, wait a minute, you can't be born again. Yes, I'm a Catholic who was born and raised Catholic, but until I was 33 years old, I never said yes. I never said yes to God, received my sacraments, but I never truly cooperated with the grace that God wants to give me through my baptism, through my commu- you know, Eucharist, through confirmation. I never cooperated until December 31st, 2003, 33 years old. And when I, when I think of that, and I think about what you guys are saying, it's like this, especially when you were talking about Cameron, you know, born of women and then the least in the kingdom. When we say yes to God, we are, we're, we're kingdom. We're brothers and sisters in Christ where God is our father, there's no grandchildren, and the least is greater than who he claims to be greatest, born of women. So um, yes, naturally we have to be born of, of women, but spiritually God will never force us to say, yes, I want to be part of the kingdom. I choose you, Lord. I love you. I'm in. I want to, to be alive. And then and then just look at how like the great work that God did through John the Baptist. And Cameron, you point out that he didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit like we do today. A good friend of ours, God rest his soul, wrote a beautiful book. And a, and a woman read it who's the head of evangelization for a diocese in the United States. And she said of this book, it's the most well-written, well-researched book in this area of evangelization. And it's called The Only Way Evangelization Succeeds. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the chief operator of our evangelization. And without the Holy Spirit, there is no chance that our evangelization efforts will succeed. I mean, it's like a 50-page book, and she was totally blown away. She said, this is her life, evangelization. She's running the whole thing for her diocese, and she reads this little simple book from a man who spends spent, before he died, and he's with our Lord now, but spent hours in adoration, 
weekly and mass every day and praying constantly. And the Holy Spirit wrote this through him as a reminder to us, especially the four of us here. You know, we're, we're, we're go-getters and we want to get things done. No. If we bring that mentality into evangelization, it's, it's going to fall flat. The only way evangelization succeeds is through the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit is the agent of evangelization. Well, I love what you shared, Rob, mm-hmm. because, you know, I've heard so many people say, well, I, I was saved, so I'm good to go. Uh, no, <laughs> I said there's somewhere else in scripture where it says your name will be blotted out of the book of life. Well, that means it was in there, but all of a sudden it's out. And I love what the Catholic church teaches that at baptism, we were saved. Scripture tells us baptism saves. So there's one. So we were saved then. We are being saved, Rob. That's when you repented of your sin, turned back to God. Same with me when I go to confession or have my morning time with the Lord, you know, or evening time and repent. When I go to confession, repent of my sin, boom, I'm being saved. So I, I was saved. So we were saved. We are being saved. And the third part of that is we will be saved. God says to us in the scriptures, Jesus says, remain in my love. So remain in relationship with the Lord, trust in the Lord. And at the end of our lives is the ultimate salvation of our souls and our union with God completed in Jesus Christ in heaven for all eternity. So we were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. I love it because it's not a once and done. It's a daily choice. It's a daily journey. It's the constant purification of our soul. I love the word purgation. Purgation is what we go through as Christians. God takes us through a journey in our life of purging from us anything that's not of God and perfecting in us anything that is of Christ. That's the story and the terminology of our journey of purgation. And if we, if we can go back, Cameron, you, you <clears throat> brought us back to last week. Yeah, and the third Sunday of Advent is the pink candle, right? So it's purple, purple, pink, purple. So this is the joy, you know, joy. Wow. Yeah, this is this is our our celebration of joy. And I was thinking of the readings in Advent. So the first week you have stay awake. Yep. And then last week repent, and then you shared last week, Cameron, about abiding, right? That we, you know, a branch isn't gonna or a limb isn't gonna be just like trying to strive to produce fruit, but by abiding, fruit is produced. But then right. I thought, and I didn't get a chance to share last week, if we abide in him, then he gives us what we need to strive. Because he always says strive to enter through the narrow gate. Right. So if we try to strive without abiding, we're toast. Yep. Right. So it's stay awake, repent. And then when we do that, we abide. And then through that abiding, then he gives us what we need to strive to do what? This week, to reach out to the people who are blind and deaf, right? Who've never heard the good news. Then it gives us that, and then we do that with joy. So this is the week we celebrate joy. Repentance is a, a message of joy. Staying awake is a message of joy. And then when we are striving to do what? To follow in God's footsteps, to, do, to love who he loves most. Of all his creation, he loves us the most. So if we're truly striving for that perfection, it's striving to love what God loves the most, us, people. And we need to abide in order to love people, because sometimes it's not going to be very, very easy. But if we abide and then we strive to love, then the joy is going to come out and people are going to be drawn to that joy, which is Jesus. Yeah. And in scripture, God says, be perfect. God says, be holy. Well, that's impossible, <laughs> except to the extent that the more it's no longer, as John says, as um, 
St. Paul says in the Gospels, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So the only way we can be purely holy and perfect is the, to the extent that we are perfected in Christ. A renewal of my mind, creating me a, a new heart, O Lord, and then it's the Lord Jesus Christ that becomes fully alive in us. And I truly believe, ladies and gentlemen, it's a daily journey of purgation, of perfecting Christ in us, so that we can be the lights in this darkness that draw others to him. It is his very self. And I do think that the, the mystery that you, you just talked about bears a lot of reflection. The, I, the, the whole thought that we can become like Christ, and because we become more like the Son, we know the Father better through him and in him. And just spend some time you know, in, in adoration reflecting on that, because I think the whole mystery of our salvation is wrapped up in that. The other point that I think is important for us to remember is that becoming more like Christ means being able to, um, as St. Paul uses the word, endure, to, to put up with the things that are put in our way to help purge us, to help perfect us, to help bring us to... Per- and sometimes the perfection isn't a matter of... Um, it isn't a matter of purging in the sense that we throw something off. It's a matter of stepping up and doing something that's required, you know, which then maybe leaves some baggage behind that we didn't need, but it doesn't always look like letting something go, although that may be part of it. It does often look like stepping up and doing something we have to do, something that's difficult, something that's sacrificial, because at the end of the day, the crucifixion, what what makes the resurrection so out, so outstanding an event the, the the pinnacle of our faith is the fact that Jesus died before it that he was dead you know that's the that's the sacrifice that's what Scott Hahn calls the marriage bed of the lamb you know that's where he gave his all completely and totally for us and where it's over it's finished and then we have the we have the resurrection, and that's a symbol that we're able that that we were given as a gift by Jesus to his disciples as witnesses to share with us, so that we know that that's the truth. We know that that's the those are the witnesses. I love it, Tom. I'm I'm going to paint a picture with the example, Dave. You just talked about people might say, "Oh, there was a point in time I'm saved, so I'm good to go." I'm thinking of it more in the natural. I'm married, my beautiful wife, Lindsay, eight years, just a couple weeks ago. There was a point in time where we said our vows, and at that point in time, we were married. Eight years later, I can't say, hey, remember eight years ago? I told you I love you and I'm committed to you. Just remember that point in time. And and I don't have to tell you I love you anymore. I don't have to spend time with you. I don't have to work on our intimacy, our relationship, our connection. That doesn't matter because I can trace this back to November 12th, 2011. Our marriage is good. We're all set. You're good that's, to go. That's crazy. <laughs> I, it's not that I have to. I, I love it. We interact every day. We grow more together. We grow stronger. And it's like marriage vows are every single day. I love you so much. I'm committed to you. There's going to be tough things that come our way. There's going to be great things that come our way. We're in this together. What a beautiful conversation with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I'm so grateful for that day that we got married. 
And I'm so grateful that you're with me today. You're with me tomorrow morning, that you're with me in my sleep tonight. What a beautiful thing. And you know, Cameron, every morning, almost 99% of the time, I ask the Father's help to love his daughter rightly, my precious wife. And I call on the Father. I say, Father, help me to love her with your heart, the heart of the Father to his precious daughter, my wife, the heart of the brother, Jesus, to his sister, his beloved sister, and the heart of the bridegroom, the Holy Spirit, to his beloved bride, purely and passionately, every day of my life. You see, the courtship doesn't end. The, the I do's are just the beginning to the courtship that's every day, throughout the day, with God's daughter, his sister, and his bride. That's right. So call the Father for help and dance the dance, woo, cherish, and treasure her beloved heart, and then watch God work. What would this world look like if we really did just see people after the Spirit? If we saw people... I'm sure I'll get the number wrong. 7.8 trillion people in the world. Billion? Okay. Well, you get my point. If we saw people, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, that they were created in the image of God, that they are the favorite son or daughter of the King, of the Creator of the universe, Almighty, all power, that is my special... Like the way I look at my kids in natural, that's how he looks at all of them. And we're we're talking a lot about the flesh versus the spirit. No longer I live, Christ who lives in me, seeing people after the spirit, discerning that. What a precious gift to look at people in the eyes of, do you know your value? I'll just share this really quickly. I went to breakfast this morning with, with with a girl that I just met. And with some other friends, and we were talking about her value. And I said, do you know how to determine the value of something? It's the price you're willing to pay for it. How valuable is each person? How valuable is... How, look into yourself first. That, that, that's the first place to see it. How valuable am I? The price that was paid for me even when I was a sinner. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's share the good news so that those who are in the prison of addiction or wherever they're at, they can hear the works of Christ through our words, our actions, that they too may join us at the banquet of the Lord for eternity. God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717 717- Three six seven zero one zero zero. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. 
If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.